are listening to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Welcome to the Traditional Outdoors Podcast. Tom Jorgensen in the house. What's up, brother? Hey. Oh, busy time of year doing the prep stuff around here. Uh, but all good. All good stuff. How you doing? Um, I've been doing pretty good. Busy time around here. I've been tying flies like a madman, getting ready for for some from trout streams here in Georgia and our our big North Carolina trout expedition in April. I've uh, been nice. getting some camping stuff in. Got the uh, the disco beds in this week. Uh, cashed in a bunch of Cabela's gift cards. I've been kind of hodling and, <laughs> and uh, holding on yeah. to and and uh, you, well, you sent me a, a text. I didn't see that until today, but even even got Bella. Me and Bella did a little camping out in the in the living room. I set them up, and she thought it'd be a. <laughs> she got a kick out of the idea of of sleeping on them one night. So we uh, Bella got hopped up on the top. And uh, let me ask go ask you: Does yours have? Um, does your disco beds have corner braces? that run between the, the, the poles that hold the actual cot and the, and the frame that had, that holds the discs. I don't remember yours having those. I don't remember seeing that. Now I've got a couple, uh, like, uh, cinch straps that go on the end. Right. Yep. And I remember yeah. those. Mine has that too, but mine also has these little, um, so each one of the, uh, end metal, pipes that that hold the actual cot uh they've got a little peg that you rotate to the inside and then there's okay. a peg on the actual frame that holds the the discs themselves and once you get everything set up you've got a, a little corner brace that's that snaps into those pegs i'll have to send you a picture no um nope. but i i put them together on the bottom one and then you know we we i guess we called it a night about 11 o'clock that night and about the time I heard Bella snoring it I remembered that I had not put those in on the top and I didn't want to take a chance of you know it popping out of the uh the disc or anything so I'm, I'm up there trying to get these things in without waking her up and it didn't work so it was an adventure but it was it was kind of fun at the same time well I, I've heard ladies don't snore so I didn't say did I say she snored <laughs> <laughs> But, uh, but it's yeah. funny. I thought, I thought it was hilarious that you had a picture of your disco beds in your, your living room. And I had the exact same thing. It's like, you know, you finally get them. It's and set up on the, you got to put rug. them up, set up on the throw <laughs> rug, just like you did. So it wouldn't scratch the hardwood floor. So you don't scratch the floors. Yeah. <laughs> uh, it's hilarious. And I, and I don't know if you slept in yours one night, but I think I did about three on mine. Cause I had to try the, uh, the bottom and then the top. And I kind of had to get like a, a rickety factor. And then I want to try it with a mattress pad instead of an inflatable pad. So well, and I did a couple I, nights in a row on mine. I have not, I've only done one night yet, but I, I haven't taken them down yet. I'm going to, I'm going to sleep in them a couple more times, mainly just to get them kind of stretched out and broken in. But, uh, I did not buy, I wanted to wait and see what I thought about the, the two X. Um, yep. so I did not buy the, the pad and I'll be honest, these things are so roomy. I, the only reason I think you would need it would be for extra insulation and maybe to quieten yep. down that, the fabric of the cot. It's kind of noisy, but you definitely don't need the pad for comfort. Yeah. I love mine. I wish that I would have got the ones I ordered instead of the ones that they shipped. 
And I think going to the 2x um, is probably going to be perfect. I, I look forward to seeing how those fit in your tent. Yep. Because I feel like even my standard sized ones are kind of right at the edge. They kind of lean up against the canvas, depending on what else you have going on inside there. Um, so it'll be, it'll be interesting to see the difference of how yours fit in your tent versus how mine fit in mine, but we'll know, we'll know in April. The length is the same. It's just the width that's different, right? Is it? Okay. I, I couldn't I remember if yours were a little bit longer or not. I, I'll have to go and look. I honestly don't, I don't, rem, I don't remember. I don't know if I even looked at that or not. I know the width was the, I think the only difference was the width on the standard versus the XL. And then you got the 2X. Yep. And I can't remember if there's a length difference on that. I, was, I wanted the XL just because um, right where my shoulders and elbows line up is right on top of those steel posts. So, right. Um, hot tip for anybody looking at a disco bed. Measure those things up and hopefully try somebody's out uh, to see how they fit them. And I did get, I think I've got a pretty good idea of how the camping situation is going to work out in April. The only wild card right now is, is Derek Sheehan. So, um, okay. I know Gene is planning to bring his own tent. Brandon is planning to bring his own tent, which would leave you and Nick in yours, me and Mike in mine. And then yep. Derek will just let him sleep in the back of the truck or something. <laughs> uh, <laughs> uh, he's got a cool little one manner he always brings. So oh, does fine. he? Okay. Yeah. So, but anyway, other than that, um, you have, uh, so you shared an email. Was that yesterday? I don't know. It was or the day before. Yesterday. So I've been watching this for about a month. Uh, yeah, I think it was, you know, and I think, yeah, it was yesterday. So yeah, I sent that out to a handful of folks. You have actually really, it's, it's improved my my mood uh, every day at work. So the, the email that you, you shared Same. is um, a live cam and it's yep. uh, where. Uh, so if you Namibia. go on YouTube and you look at Namibia live stream, it should be the first hit. And uh, yeah, I discovered this a few weeks ago. And, uh, yeah, I, I can give up my subscription to calm. Apparently I don't need that. I need this. <laughs> so you, you asked me, we asked me before you start, well, before we started recording, you asked me if I had actually set up a dedicated monitor for it. <laughs> yep. And I've done one step better. So if you remember a couple of years ago, my, my Samsung plasma TV that I had in my living room died mm -hmm. and I replaced it. And then after I replaced it, I found out it was a fairly easy fix. So I fixed it and I moved it into my basement. Well, it's actually right, right. across from where my desk is. So I've got that um, cam running in a stream on that 55 inch big screen. And well, anytime I turn my head to the right and it's always, it's kind of weird. Cause you know, I'll be sitting here working and I'll be focused on what I'm doing for who knows, you know, I could be staring at my screen for 15 minutes to three hours. Um, and then I'll look off to the right and I'll go, well, cool. That's a critter I haven't seen before. <laughs> and it's just, and it, you know, it's so funny that by the time these animals come in, they have, I'm assuming they've just stood back and surveyed this thing. Oh, yeah. Um, and by the time they come in they're they're pretty calm and you actually have to stare at it for a few minutes to make sure it's not frozen. 
because they're just yeah. they're 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 standing so still. But uh, I've seen warthogs. Um, I'm not I'm not a hundred percent efficient on all my my African game, but there were some the ones I've seen the most are the they're um, they have the really long straight horns. Yeah, everybody in chat calls them oryx. Uh, those would be gemsbuck. There's oh, a lot okay. of gemsbuck around the area. Um, the thing that drove me to send that message to a handful of people was uh, Bob Bones loves gemsbuck. He's got a gemsbuck on his St. Joe that he took to Africa uh, that Tracy put on there as a tattoo. Right. And that was his big, his big, big one. So as soon as I saw the herd of gemsbuck, uh, I started sending him text messages. Turns out he was driving at the time, so sorry about that. But uh, yeah, that herd comes in, and there's some uh, smaller groups and some some good bulls that come in on their own. But yeah, pretty much gemsbuck every day. The the really cool part to me is sitting back, especially like now it's nighttime, mm-hmm. and and a lot of times the the infrared on the camera will pick up the eyes of animals that are sitting way out of camera range. Oh yeah. And it looks like, it almost looks like you're seeing stars until you see one of them turn their head or blink. Um, It goes from two to one or from one to two. Right. It's really cool. Back in the darkness. Yeah. And then tonight I was, I was showing it to, to uh, Bella tonight. And while we were sitting there watching it, I think it was some kind of little Fox. I'm not, it looked, it was hard Mm -hmm. to tell what it was because it was really small. Um, Yep. And I don't think, I don't know, maybe there is rabbits over there. At first I thought it looked like a rabbit, but then it looked more like a fox the way it was, the way it was moving. So I'm not sure what it might've been. So there are some rabbits. Um, those would be Cape hare, uh, really long ears and definitely like super nocturnal. And the interesting thing is I typically see them around the rough time of day that the black back jackals come through. Mm-hmm. And right when you and I were joining up to record, uh, I looked over to that screen and there was a black back jackal uh, lapping up from the, the pool. And that's live in the blind. One of my favorite animals to watch. They are so sleek and the hair is so beautiful. And so whenever I see them out there, it just reminds me of being, being in Africa. And the other thing I love is you get one view. It's kind of like having one window over a, 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 you know, coming out of a hide or a blind. Like you just have one little perspective into this giant desert and you get to watch stuff come and go. It's just, this is to me like the coolest thing I've found in months. Yeah. I, I, I would have to agree with you. I've been, like I said, I, I I have not sat and just stared at it, but just to have it up and running. So whenever I look over that way, you never, you just never know what you're going to see. It's really, it's really cool. Yeah. Well, I love it in the morning, especially it has a timestamp on it. So you can see when it's getting toward night in the Southern hemisphere. And so it's just a great way. Like I keep it um, off to the side while I'm doing video conferences, especially in the morning. And you just see like, zebra walk by or an ostrich or whatever but i i keep it right over next to my camera for when i'm doing meetings and everybody's just got a little set of initials or a profile picture or whatever 
gives me something to look at. I, I love it. Well, with that, you actually gave me a, a good spot to throw this in because you mentioned Bob Bones and his, his St. Joe. I do want to take a, a quick moment to give a huge shout out to the sponsor for the, this episode, which, of course, is David and Tracy Blowski at St. Joe's. Those two have been a strong supporter of the, the podcast pretty much since we started it. So huge thank you to both of those fine individuals. And Tom, you were you was talking you was you had mentioned a, a a story to me before we started recording. I'm gonna you, you want to throw that out real quick. Uh, yeah, so we were talking about kids and bows, and I can't believe I never told you the story of my niece who was looking for a longbow. She was graduating college, uh, kind of ready for a little nicer bow. And went to the Kalamazoo Expo, which is coming up here um, a couple of years ago, just before COVID. And my thought was like, walk her around and drag her all over the floor and get her shooting all kinds of bows. And uh, went to the first booth and it was St. Joe. And that's what she got. That was her, her custom order. So she has a, uh, an old classic. And... Yeah, it's 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 pretty awesome. So uh, it also has a quite personalized uh, tattoo design on it. And so when I was changing my phones over yesterday, I had to like import all my photos and move stuff over. And uh, that picture of her tattoo is uh, an album cover in my my mm-hmm. grouping of photos because uh, it's a a nice memory for me and good connection point. So that, that's what I was thinking about when we were, were chatting about kids and bows, even though she's an adult now. Well, that's, uh, that's an amazing story. And I, I truly do hate to one up you here. Um, but, <laughs> but the, you're gonna, the, but I'm gonna, the, the, the tattoos that Tracy does on the bows are, are, are really special. And we had our first, um, 3d shoot of the year this past Saturday. And a couple of days before the shoot, I was, getting the getting the various gear together bella's still home from school she she heads back to school uh this coming weekend but uh i asked her if she you know wanted to go shoot and she said you know what i i really would like to go so while i was pulling her gear i i just up and asked her i said you know what do you think about maybe shooting your mama's saint joe bow and i really wasn't I didn't know what to expect, but she sat there and thought about it a minute. And she said, you know, I, I think I would like to do that. So, um, she shot the course this past Saturday, shooting her St. Joe river bows that was, or shooting her mother's St. Joe river bows, um, longbow. And it's, uh, it was, you know, it was kind of hard, That's but it was, it was kind of neat at the same time. And she, she shot pretty good considering she hasn't shot in over a year and she seemed to really mm-hmm. enjoy it. Um, and you know, that bow's got Tracy did angel wing tattoos on that bow for Lori. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was, it was pretty special. Um, mm-hmm. and I, you know, I don't know if she'll, I don't know if she'll start shooting that whenever she can go now or, or what, but she, she did really seem to enjoy it. So Tracy, if you're listening to this, um, just know that that bow is, is still being special and still providing some, 
some great experiences and, and wonderful memories for us. Um, and for everybody else listening, we'll, and we'll move on. But, you know, if you're thinking about a longbow recurve, be sure to check, check out St. Joe River Bows. Um, if you're a new or budding archer or you're thinking about just getting into it, I would tell you that uh, Tracy and, and David both do a, an amazing job. They're great stewards for the traditional archery community. So be sure to give them a chance. You can check out their website, stjoeriverbows.com, or you can give Tracy a call. And remember, if you mentioned that you heard about them on the Traditional Outdoors podcast, Dave and Tracy will throw in a St. Joe Riverbows t-shirt with any adult longbow or recurve purchased. So with that, let's get on to the topic for tonight. Um, I gave Nick a little bit of a, a, a night off tonight because this is a topic that you and I have chatted about actually fairly recently, Tom. And when I mentioned it to Nick, he said, you know, Tom would probably be better for this than me because it's it's just not something that I use a lot in the woods. And I'm I'm going to put in yet because I'm going to convince him that he needs to do more of it. But uh, we're going we're gonna to spend a little bit of time talking about um, GPS navigation, topo navigation. Really, it's more of a, a, a GPS versus smartphone kind of discussion. And I'm not... This isn't going to be one's always better than the other kind of thing. It's really just going to be a few discussions about uh, a little bit of discussion about why I prefer one over the other in certain situations, Uh, maybe some pros and cons. And I even uh, made a couple of posts on Facebook in some, a couple of different groups and on my personal page asking others, you know, what they thought and some of what I heard or saw um, surprised me a little bit, especially from some of the individuals that I saw the responses from. So we'll, we'll get into that a little bit. Um, But I guess, first of all, Tom, I'll I'll give you a chance to talk for a little bit. Um, You have, I don't want to put words in your mouth. I'll give a little background here. You, you bought a Garmin Montana the year that we went to, um, we went on our mule deer hunt in Wyoming. So that'd been 2018, I believe. Um, and yep. since then you've mostly used your phone and I know we had some dialogue about that. So with that, I'm going to hush and let you talk a little bit about what you've, what you've realized in the woods and, and what your, your thoughts are on the topic. Well, at, at risk of totally throwing off her flow. Uh, if you look at the Namibia cam, there's a Cape hair right now on it. <laughs> the water hole. Um, so I actually got that Montana in 2017 because it was one of the, like, it was like a black Friday deal on some town I was driving through on the day I was driving through it. So one per store, I was standing in line when that store opened and, uh, and I, I stole it. That was, that was a great deal. Uh, knowing that we had Wyoming coming up the following year. What you might not know is like that's the third GPS I've had access to. So I got one as a gift in 2000. And uh, the plugger was a uh, GPS unit that I used when I was in the infantry back in the 90s, back when it was military grade. Um, so sluggers and pluggers were early, had a proprietary battery that would last about eight hours and uh, it would take maybe a day or two to sync when you change time zones or hemispheres. So 
my experience with GPSs actually goes way back to when they really, really, really sucked. <laughs> um, the Etrex in 2000, it's a very basic unit. Uh, I got along just fine with it. <clears throat> um, but with both of those, with a map and compass and any sort of terrain feature, um, I could absolutely nail my points far faster than trying to use the electronics involved. So I've always kind of tended back to the, the skills I had versus the technology that came in. I did give some good tries to that Montana. Mine is a 610T. Uh, you know, <clears throat> great unit. Has the chip card slot for the OnX. Uh, I have extra batteries for it. Um, pretty rugged, boots pretty fast. I mean, there's a lot of good things about it. The problem for me is uh, the frustrations of the menu. And uh, if I want to like quick type in a waypoint or start a track or save something to a folder, um, you know, do a bunch of imports. I've never become an, like an expert with the processes or the interface to like make that stuff happen seamlessly. So for me, um, I've got my mobile device, I've got my Onyx app, I've got uh, other apps that I use less. But my thing is, it's always easier to use the thing that's in my hand already, even if it might not be the best thing all the time, because I do have a lot of data in there. So <clears throat> my background is kind of like eh, GPSs are really great when they're doing the one thing they're designed for. And otherwise might not be the best thing in total. You know, do you take the, the thing that's the jack of all trades or do you take the specialty thing? And so I don't carry my GPS a lot. Um, and that kind of got me up to where I am this year. And I, I, you know, you and I talked a little bit. I've got a story to share. One I haven't told you, but that's kind of my, my experience from 1994 to 2021. So before you tell your story, I'm going to kind of bring my, my path up to where about where you're at with your story. And then I've got a, a fairly current one that I'll tell as well. But so I don't know what year I honestly just don't remember. And I don't know how it could, would compare to what you were, you started out as far as a GPS, but the first GPS I had was a Garmin 12 XL. And that had a very basic LCD screen where you could see, uh, you could see waypoints that you had entered I think if I remember correctly, it had some pre-stored waypoints like major cities kind of thing. So you could use it for some basic orientation mm -hmm. and, you know, you could, you could put in a, uh, you could create a track or a route. You could follow that. That's about it. And then you also had screens where it had the digital compass and, you know, the, uh, sunrise, sunset and those kind of things. But from a, from a, uh, screen perspective it was no topo lines it wasn't any of that it was just a very basic um ba very basic interface point a to point b kind of thing um i bought the garmin and i've had my garmin montana for 
many. Uh, I don't know exactly how many since years, I met you. Yeah. I mean, I've had it a, long, a long time. time. Yeah. So, and I think we first met in 2012, and I had it. I know yeah. I had it then. Um, and it has gotten a lot of use. Um, probably, with the exception of Jerry Russell, who we'll talk about a little bit more because he's one of the respondees to my my post. But Jerry's probably used his more than me. I, I will I will concede that. But he might be the only one I know that's used their their GPS more than I do because I use it year round. I mean, it's from from when I start any scouting and probably use it more scouting than I do during hunting season um, as far as from a miles miles tracked and that kind of thing. But, I mean, it gets used a lot. I use it for hunting. I use it for fishing. I use it for scouting. Um, I have even used it for road navigation. Um, not a lot, but I have used it some. It's not the greatest, but if uh, this back before the days of Waze and so forth, it, it was better than buying a, a newbie. GPS mm. for my car kind of thing. So it, it got used a good bit for that. Um, and in the last couple of years, I've started using my smartphone more. Uh, I started out using, a there was a, an app, I think it's called Topo Map is actually what it's called, um, that does a pretty good job. Uh, you actually have to go and download the um, USGS topo maps by quadrant. If you want to, you know, use a GPS map, it was, I want to say maybe it was four bucks when I bought the thing and the maps are free. So very basic, but it, it does a pretty good job if you don't mind using, you know, 30 and 40 year old maps. Um, <laughs> I also have the chips and I have the Onyx map. And to be perfectly honest, I probably use that the least on my smartphone uh, I use Gaia GPS a lot. I think I was probably one of the first people that I that it ever used that app a lot for hunting, or at least the I have I wasn't seeing anybody talk about it online at all when I first bought it and started using it. And then the other one that I use is CalTopo, which I started using CalTopo on a PC long before they ever had an app. They just had uh, released the app relatively recently. And I do use it some, and it's really nice because all of the waypoints and the tracks and so forth that I've created in CalTopo through my computer that I typically import from my computer to my Garmin, I already have access to them directly on my phone, which is a good thing. It's it's ease of use, kind of like you said. Um, and I don't want to get into the pros and cons right now. I think we're going to talk about a lot of those as we go through this. But that kind of brings me up to where you just finished um, your your intro to GPS stuff. So I'll, I'll, go throw it, I'll throw it back to you for your, your tale, and then I'll tell a quick one of my own, and then we'll jump into more of the direct discussion. All right. Well, <clears throat> uh, so mine's a little embarrassing. Uh, I've got plenty of uh, licks I've taken on the, uh, on the air over episodes about land navigation, uh, most of which were not deserved. So opening day, a rifle in Michigan, I was taking a new hunter um, out. So I had a couple days of field over the last few years, but pretty light duty. And so this was the first time navigating um, to a, a area on public land that was a little more difficult to get to. Um, struck out a little over an hour before daylight um, with headlamps going through some some briar 
and it was not, I would have moved at a much quicker rate. One of the things I, I found with GPSs is, um, you know, kind of going on, on an azimuth lets it correct where you are. Now I'm using my phone with the Onyx map. I, I know where I'm going. I've got my, my spot picked out, but similar principle applies. Um, have a little bit of signal, not a lot, um, in the, in under canopy. Um, so connectivity is an issue, but so I'm using my phone for navigation with Onyx and while waiting for, for my hunter to catch up, uh, you know, you turn a 180, check on the other person, you turn back, maybe you turn 170, you walk around the tree to the wrong side. Long story short, ended up doing uh, a bit of a circle and burned quite a bit of the time I had to get in and get set up before the sun came up. And I was awfully frustrated with my navigation. Like I really believed, and at every moment I believed it was going to get better. So I didn't dig into my backpack to pull out the compass. And realistically, that should have been the very first thing I did, just so it was hanging around my neck. And I had a rough azimuth before I went into the you know, thick stuff where there was no trails. So looking back, I kind of kicked myself for not even going back, or, you know, a, a, to a more simple technology. Um, but, you know, the, the, the net effect was uh, November 15th, opening day of Michigan rifle season. Just before daylight, I was walking around in circles in thorn bushes, trying to get my phone to get me where I needed to go. And that was, you know, kind of my end of season looking back saying, okay, what are my improvements I can make for next year? And that was number one. I figured out two others, but we'll save those for different days. Uh, so that was my experience that, that drove me to having this discussion with you. Uh, so I'll be honest, Tom, I'm starting to think you've got some kind of fixation with thorns. Um, you always seem good to, spots. You always seem to end up in in thorn bushes. Um, yeah, yeah. So my my experience, and I've had a couple of these. Um, I would say the the one that really just kind of put the nail in the coffin for me. Very similar situation. Um, I had gone into an area that I hadn't hunted before. Um, people that have seen some of the photos I've posted over the course of this this past season know that a lot of times I'm in stuff that's just extremely thick. And I had been in this area once before and I had actually picked out the exact tree that I wanted to climb. Um, and without going into a whole lot of detail, a couple of reasons for that. Um, long hunting with hunting with traditional gear makes a big difference. If, if we're talking rifle hunting in, in most situations, at least my perspective, getting the exact tree you want is not as big a deal. Um, you just, you've got a lot right. further that you can shoot. You, you need a lot more time to prep. You don't have to have as much movement, blah, blah, blah. There's a lot of things here. Um, but I had picked out a very specific tree. Um, this time of year, even in Georgia, most of the leaves are gone. You don't have a lot of cover. And this tree that I picked out was a, what I consider almost a perfect size for, you know, sticks and a stand. And it had a smaller tree 
I'd say at the, at the ground, it was probably a four inch diameter tree that went right up beside of it. And about the place where I would want to set my stand, it gave me some additional cover. It was just in the perfect location with a perfect, what I felt like was the best cover that I could get. Uh, and you know, I had to get within 20 yards of, of where I anticipated the, the travel was going to be. This was hunting some thick, um, some thick edge on a transition uh, with some pretty good trails going through it. And it was a very certain area that I wanted to be in. So I go in the next morning, I saved the GPS waypoint on my phone. Doesn't matter the app. Uh, so I'm not, it's not an issue with the app. It's an issue with the accuracy of the GPS in the, in the phone. I go in, I go in the next morning. Um, I'm, I, and it gets me close, right? Um, but I'm used to with my Garmin, I can pretty much go directly to the tree that I want. I mean, I've, you know, I've seen it as accurate as I think six feet or eight feet, something like that. Um, you know, it'll get me right where I want to go. Well, I go in with my phone on this particular morning and I follow it and I follow it and I'm watching it. And I look down at the screen and it says, you know, I'm, I should be right there. So I'm standing there with my light and I'm scanning and the tree that I'm looking for is not there. I mean, I had a mental image in my mind. I know what the tree looked like. I look back down at my screen and my location has shifted what looks like 10 to 15 yards off to one direction. So I thought, well, you know, maybe I was, I was going too fast or the phone wasn't keeping up. So I, I turn and I strike off in that direction and I get over there and I look and I look and I look, and I can't see the tree. I look back at my phone and it's got the, my location right back where I was before. So I'm like, what the heck is going on? So uh, anyway, about halfway in between it, I just happened to spot the tree. But at this point I've walked, you know, 15 yards in each direction all around the tree, which is just not something I wanted to do. Um, as it turned out, I never saw anything that morning and, you know, it, it, whether or not they would have crossed my track and spooked, I'll never know, but it was just very frustrating. And I think that was the point where I said, uh, I, I'm, I'm being lazy. I'm, I'm taking the easy road out, easy way out by, by just using my phone. And I'm probably going to go back to my GPS for hunting situations. Um, there's definitely still a lot of times I will use the phone and we'll talk about that in a minute, but that's, that's kind of my story. Say almost the same exact thing that you're saying. So as you recount that, right, I had the same experience. I'm like, okay, I need to go that direction. And then I would sit and watch the screen and it would shift me 20 yards off to the side from where I actually was a second ago. Right. So I was seeing the same thing, the same uh, behavior. Um, and yeah, when you're going with a trad bow, you walk 15 yards past and then, you know, go back. You're probably crossing over the exact places you don't want to put your feet. Potentially, oh. yes. Um, yeah, that, that stinks. And I mean, you know, and, and a couple of things I will, I will preface here is, you know, a lot of this does depend on the weapon. Um, I would think bow hunters in general, trad or modern, are going to want to be more accurate as far as their location, especially going in blind. Um, and we can talk about that a little bit as well, but, uh, then say, a, a rifle hunter, you know, uh, I think if, you know, if, and I may be doing some of that next year, if I was hunting with a firearm, I don't know that I would be as concerned about it. I would want to get in the general area and then I'm fine. Or maybe I'm, you know, I'm want, not purposely not wanting to get that close. And again, I would be fine. But if you're, 
my experience, um, your mileage may vary, but my experience has been that the phones just won't give me the accuracy that a GPS will. And there's there's definitely pros and cons to both, but you've already mentioned one. And it's not everybody's, not everybody, 99% of the population at this point is used to working with a smartphone. Um, and they're they're comfortable with it. And like you said, it's kind of the jack of all trades. You're, you've already got it with you anyway. It's not something else you have to carry. You The apps are, for all intents and purposes, most of the GPS apps are pretty much idiot-proof on a phone. I mean, it's it's they're, they're pretty basic, but that can also be a drawback um, when you look at the things that, that I can do or I feel like I can do with a GPS that I don't have the ability to do with a phone. And we'll talk about those a little bit more in a minute. But that uh, I, I think we're both saying kind of the same thing of what really we feel the, the biggest drawback is to using a phone versus using the GPS. Now, be anxious in a year from now if you really stick to the GPS, <laughs> seeing if you, you know, if, if you... I was just if thinking you, that. If you stay that way or if you if you revert back. So, I, I you know, I've been watching a lot of YouTube videos, kind of doing research. Um, trying to pick up as many little tips and tricks as I can along the way, as far as like locking orientation, how to lock out your screen, um, you know, quick access, uh, setting dim, you know, to bright. Um, I don't think I'm going to use most of the apps that are included, but how do I get to the things I need? And if I can navigate to where I need to go, uh, both on the device and on the on the ground, I think the chances that I'm going to keep, stick with it are probably high. Um, it's interesting seeing the frustrations, right? I got a new phone yesterday, and I put a tempered uh, glass protector on it. Basically, same phone I had before, but just not being able to type as easily. It's a it's a mental barrier. So I think I need to kind of overcome that with the uh, user experience on the, the device, the GPS. But I know I need to. That's, I think that's going to be my uphill uh, struggle. And I think, I think it's one that I can you know, overcome. I think I need to, to really start using that as my primary navigation. But I think it's one, one, one tool in the toolbox. Well, and I, I think that's, that's what all of this is, right? It's, it's one, it's one tool in the toolbox and it's, you know, I think once we, when I start talking about some of the pros and cons for each, you're probably going to be able to nail down the biggest pro for the phone, which is going to apply to probably 80, 80% of the people out there. Uh, it's going to come down to what you just said. It's, you've already got it. It's, it's cost. A GPS, a good GPS is not cheap. Um, and it is a, it's an additional expense. I mean, the, you know, the, 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 the retail price for a Montana, like we've got, I mean, you know, a lot of people could feel like, well, hell I can go buy, I can go buy a weapon for that, whether it's a bow or, sure. you know, it, it, they're not cheap. Um, and I think that's probably one of the, the biggest pros, uh, for this, for the smartphone. Um, I don't know if I want to yep. go through some of that yet, or maybe talk about some of the things I've, I've seen in the, in the various comments online. What do you think? Well, so I don't know about this online thing. Um, love to hear about that. Speaking of Gemsbuck, there's a, 
<laughs> Big one walking in with a broken horn. Yeah, I, I see him. I'm looking off to the right. So as you said that, we should have turned those yeah. things off before we started. Yeah, we should have. Oh, no, it's not broke. It's, it's black. But, um, yeah, no, what 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 what, so, uh, what polling did you do? What uh, what are people saying? So basically, I, I, it's the same post. I modified it a little bit for one of the one of the groups I, I put it on but uh, you know I, I posted on my timeline I posted on the traditional outdoors community Facebook group if you listen to this podcast you're not a member of that group go out and find a group and join it we're trying to really start getting a, a, a bit more activity on that group than than we have in the past but um, you know I just said when it comes to navigating uh, to a stand to a stand location I'm specific about to a stand location I can I can find my way out, um, but especially when going in uh, blind, which do you prefer? Do you prefer to use a cell phone with a topo app, or do you prefer a, a separate GPS? And then I ask also why. Some of them, you know, why you'd make that decision. Uh, and also, in some case, uh, I ask if um, what what weapon are you are you talking about? Bow hunting? Or are you you know hunting primarily with a firearm? And then uh, I also posted in a, another group that I doubt you're a member of. It's uh, Running Gun Whitetails. I, it's a um, it's one of the groups that the guys over at the Southern Outdoorsman podcast, uh, Jacob and oh uh, Andrew, I just almost drew a blank. Um, those guys, great guys, run that run that Facebook group. So I threw it up in there. I figured I might get a little bit more uh, diversity. And I'll be perfectly honest. The majority of the responses are smartphone with an app. And, you know, there's, uh, if you get into the apps, and again, I'm not going to talk about which one's better, or, or I've used pretty much every one that's been mentioned, but I would say Onyx uh, is uh, probably the most mentioned uh, with the Gaia GPS, which I really like uh, being uh, probably the second most uh, prominent. A uh, few have mentioned, I think it's uh, Hunt Stand might be the one. I know there's one that yeah. you can do the topo maps or the satellite imagery, and then you can also, it tells you wind direction and all that stuff. Um, I typically don't trust a weatherman as far as I can throw them, so I, I rely on my, my own experiences um, other than just a rough general idea of what it's supposed to be. <laughs> but... Yeah. Uh, you know, some of the other ones that I thought was was interesting, um, it's kind of, some of them were actually kind of funny too. Uh, Chris Pelter's out of South Louisiana, and he said Topo's useless because <laughs> it's flat, and I, and I get it. But there's still a navigational yep. aspect of it as well, because even if it's flat, you're still going to have funnels, you're still going to have, uh, you know, feeding sign that you're trying to get to a specific location, that kind of thing, but I still thought it was kind of funny. Um, Emra. That is funny. Emra. Reminds me of that uh, that place we looked at on Wild Things. There was one line that went through that entire property. Yeah, and one, you and one. I were looking at it, and you <laughs> said, "Like, there's a spot where there should be animals," and it was sure enough the field where quite a bit of stuff was shot. Yeah, yeah. One line counts for a lot. One line, and and even you know, not necessarily the topo stuff, but. You know, it's, it's, there's always going to be funnels. And if you can find those yeah. when you're scouting and mark them, having the, the ability to get back to that exact location is, is really good. Now, again, a lot of people don't need that. I got to be at this exact tree, but 
Trad guys do in a lot of situations. Um, Imra, Umra, O-Rock. Uh, I guess, I don't know if it's O-Rock or O-Rock. But anyway, Bowhunting Soul Podcast. He, he, he made a, a comment and said that, uh, yeah, <laughs> he said he uses a phone because he gets reception 99% of the places he hunts. And then he said, my weapons are a bent stick called hope and a string called prayer. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then he followed up with something about he could get lost in a target parking lot uh so you know having a backup's not negotiable oh he was saying he carries a battery pack with him um which oh, yeah. i did have on my my cons for the the smartphone is is battery life because uh, they're doing a lot more than just navigation um joe lash actually responded and and Joe, you know, you're, you, you, I think you're about a year, maybe two years older than I am, but I, I was actually expecting Joe to say GPS when I first started reading his, his comment. And he actually said that, you know, he's using a, a smartphone now more than uh, a GPS. That one shocked me a little bit. Um, mm-hmm. Let's see who else chimed in here. I've got Steve Baker, uh, Mountain Muffler, Custom Strings. I'll give him a big shout out since I kind of stopped doing the string thing. I'm sending most of the customers that have been reaching out to me, uh, to, to Steve. I think he does a fantastic job. I've talked to him quite a bit, uh, online. So big shout out to Steve Baker, but, um, he said on X, he didn't specify cell phone or GPS. He just said on X. So I'm assuming he means, uh, cell phone, but not a hundred percent sure. Um, Jerry Goins, Cell phone with Onyx, uh, hunt stand. He's that's a, he said actually hunt stand was his primary and he uses the Garmin as a backup. Uh, Jerry Russell says he has both, both work just fine. If the goal is just getting from point A to point B, uh, quality touchscreen GPS. I know Jerry's also a big fan of the Montana. He and I've had this conversation multiple times. We love our Montanas mainly because we're old and our eyes are bad and that big screen's really nice. Um, but he just said he's amazing. He's amazed at how many people think a GPS is just for simple navigation. And I would definitely agree with that. Um, uh, he says he's actually thinking about doing a, a YouTube tutorial soon. I would actually love to be, love to see that. Yeah, I may actually, too. I may try to try to get up with Jerry and see if he wants to partner up on that one, um, for multiple reasons. But I agree with Jerry. I mean, it's, a lot of this, I would say, and you've been talking about some of it's more advanced stuff, and I don't know what Jerry specifically is referring to, but when you think about a GPS um, versus a phone, some of this I could say arguably you could do with either, but you know, a lot of times I'm planning my, my access route by my topo maps and using my GPS. I'm laying down a, a track that I intend to follow before I've ever been there. And I have not seen a GPS app on a phone that will let me do that. Um, I can use CalTopo in conjunction with maybe Google Earth. I can look at the terrain. I can look at things like creek beds that I can use. Or maybe it's uh, uh, a saddle that I might want to use to access a a certain area that I want to hunt. But I can pre-determine or pre-calculate those routes uh, using my computer, 
upload those into the GPS, and then I can literally not just go from point A to point B, but I can use that GPS to navigate the path that I've kind of already laid out. And it's really nice if you're, you know, if you're using, uh, like I said, a creek drainage or something like that, if you want to keep your scent, scent in a certain place and not walk through the area that you anticipate the animals will come from, or maybe you're trying to um, circle around feeding areas or, or bedding areas. Who knows? There's lots of reasons why you might not just want to navigate in a straight line or what you think might be the path of least resistance. And for me, that's one of the biggest advantages of a GPS over a smartphone. Maybe somebody will tell me there's a way to do that, but I have not found a way to do that with my smartphone versus what I can do with a GPS. Um, was thinking about, let me look at this, see the, uh, where have I got that one saved? Or did I save it? I did not save it. Um, any thoughts on any of that while I try to actually go and find the, the running gun to see what some of those folks chimed in with? Yeah, I, I don't know. Like I think about looking at my map and having, you know, a, a, a topo open on the smartphone, um, just posting, here's where I want to go. And then just kind of doing that, well, I should go up this ridge a little bit. I should go down that drain a little bit. I'll work my way up to this, you know, saddle. I think you can do a lot just with kind of visualizing once you know kind of what you're going toward. I have not tried a complex route with like multiple waypoints uh, on my smartphone apps. I just don't feel like I need to. I don't know. It used to be like core stuff in the infantry. It was like, you know, creating your route and your waypoints and mapping through them like one at a time. But um, I don't know. I think I could get around okay. Yeah. But then there's the whole refresh thing. You know, I was, I was, I was lost out in the thorns there uh, a month ago. So, you know, maybe not. Well, and I guess with the smartphone apps, if you wanted to do that, and I hadn't, I haven't, I haven't tried that, but I guess you could, theoretically go in and, and just drop waypoints along the path that you want to take and go from one to the next. But that would, you know, that requires stopping fiddling with your phone. If, if I've got it on my GPS, you know, again, all I got to do is glance yeah. at the screen and I know if I'm on the, if I'm on the path that I, that I want to be on. I don't think it'd take long, but I know what you're saying, right? And you got a nice big monitor on your desk and you can map it all out and drag it over and drop it in a folder and then click go. That's it's pretty nice. It's pretty nice when you have a big monitor where you can scroll around real easy with a full keyboard. Right. And if you look at, you know, um, Google Maps, uh, Google Earth, Bing Maps, I mean, yep. they update that satellite imagery fairly regularly. So you're not, it's not yep. like it used to be a couple of years ago where you were looking at outdated imagery. I mean, in fact, and again, I'm not going to speak of uh, different apps Everybody's got their preference, and that's not what we're really talking about. But, you know, some of the apps, their satellite imagery is is outdated. It's, it's in some cases, it's useless because things have changed so much that you can't really, you can't really use it as an as a indicator of the area you're heading into. Again, between the various tools that are out there, and most of them are free, I can... 
I've gotten to the point in certain areas I can pick out stands of oaks. And without going into a lot of detail, I've actually been in areas where I could I could literally pick out stands of white oaks versus red oaks just by looking at Google Earth. Yep. Um, and if you don't know, you've actually seen me point out to you on the road while we're driving saying that's a stand of white oaks or that's a stand of red oaks. You can tell by looking at the canopy. Um, again, not all the time, people. I'm just saying in certain areas, certain maps, you can pick it out looking at or certain areas on Google Earth or uh maybe being the, the satellite imagery there, you can definitely pick it out and you can for sure pick out what's the stand of pines versus hardwoods. Um, so anyway, yeah. Uh, pulling this other one up, uh, and these are, it's funny, some of the guys that actually responded to the post in the running gun are, are trad guys. So uh, Ryan Swafford, he chimed in and he uses his uh, cell phone. He's another one that really likes the, Gaia GPS software, um, or the, the Gaia app, which again, I really do like, I've used it a good bit. Um, Brian Miller, uh, now Brian and I actually responded to Brian. Uh, he says he likes the cell phone with GPS software. I typically have my hunting area, my hunting area saved for offline use, which is another thing we didn't bring up. That is something you have to do True. with the cell phones. Um, and he says, most cell phones are just as accurate as a GPS. Uh, not where I hunt. Maybe where, uh, and again, I don't know. I don't understand fully, and shame on me, I haven't done the research. I know that you don't need cell service. It's not using cell phone towers to triangulate your location. It has a GPS built in. So I don't know how much canopy affects the GPS. Um, but... I can just tell you, I've looked at mine, I've watched it, and it's not, my my Garmin does not do what it does as far as, oh, you're here. No, wait, wait, I changed my mind. You're actually 20 yards over this way. Oh, wait, I was right the first time. You're, you're, you're really where I told you. That, my Garmin does not do that. So maybe this is a phone call I'll make to Brian and just say, explain it to me, because <laughs> I'm not, I'm well, not seeing that. Yeah, so you get the... Um the plus minus accuracy on some GPS units. So like, I know I've looked at screens that have said, you know, plus or minus 15 meters or plus or minus three meters. So I wonder, I wonder actually in what conditions we're accurate to what, um, capability, right. right. Um, and I've seen single units vary quite a bit based on, uh, location, satellite coverage, and overhead cover. So, yeah, I mean, if we were hunting Nebraska, I bet there's little chance we probably couldn't be pretty accurate with our our, our mobile devices. Right. Yeah. Um, I just pulled up a little search window. It looks like this is a a much debated uh, <laughs> fact. We're, we're not the only one. Let's let's not go down this rabbit hole looking at these uh, these results. So uh, we're, we're, we're churning along here and I don't, I actually was wondering if we'd have a, have enough to talk about to keep it, you know, get an hour in here and we're, we're churning away here. Um, so let's, let's, let's walk through a little bit of the, the pros and cons that, that I kind of jotted down during the course of the day today as I was thinking about this. And if you've got any that, that you've thought of it, I don't include here, please chime in and, and throw them in. 
Um, so from a, a smartphone perspective, as far as pros, most people already own one. So it's like I said before, it's cost savings. You don't, you don't need to go out and, and buy another piece of equipment, um, which could also factor into, uh, you know, reduced weight, less items to carry in and out of the woods, those kind of things. So it's not just cost, but I'd say that's the biggest one there. Um, Apps are inexpensive. Um, unless you get into the, uh, the, the Onyx, you know, most of these apps are five bucks, something like that. They're not very expensive at all. I, I can't remember what I paid for the uh, Gaia GPS, but it wasn't a lot. Um, yeah. And the, the CalTopo, I think I paid $20 a year for my subscription there. But again, that's not for the phone. That, that I really paid for that because of the the um the custom maps it would let me save and the number of waypoints I could save having it on my phone is just a bonus um most of the apps have free layers that you can download again it gets into is it the most current is it you know is it dated some of them offer public land the the biggest gap I would say for most of the apps which is honestly the same for the for the GPS unless you want to spend a little bit of extra time, and I'll talk about that in a second. But uh, the public land boundaries uh, you can pretty much get. The private boundaries and the ownership, that's something that you typically would have to look to an Onyx to provide. And I say typically typically because if you want to get a, you know, you want to go and get your state uh, or the nation or whatever you want to do, if you're going to do that in one swell swoop, yeah, you're going to, you're going to pay for it with something like an Onyx. Um, if you are, and maybe some people don't know this, but plat maps are free. You can go out and find out who owns a parcel of land for no cost whatsoever. I mean, that it just takes a little bit of research online and, and knowing where to go. Uh, how do you get that onto your your smartphone? I don't know of a way to do it, but I can do it on my, my Garmin. Um, and I've done it quite a few times in the past, especially if I was hunting a small uh, area outside of the state of Georgia that I didn't want to buy a, a GPS chip for, but you can, you can go and you can grab that. You can, you can grab a, uh, a screenshot of that map. And with a little bit of time, you can actually overlay that map, uh, in Google earth. You could actually import that into your, uh, of current modern GPS. We're not talking about the ones with just a two color LCD screen. We're talking about a, uh, Oregon, uh, uh, Montana, probably some of the E-Trex. But you can create those boundaries uh, in your in your uh, GPS application. I don't know how you would do that in a smartphone. Um, in some areas, I've actually gone in and grabbed the borders for private land that I'm hunting from Plat Maps just to make sure I've got, you know, the most current um boundary for that property so you can do it without buying an app but it is a little bit of work the flip side of that is is doing that work opens up a whole new realm of possibilities for using the gps that you just don't have on the smartphone uh any other there's a lot there's there's a lot in there man um yeah that's a lot to unpack so a couple things you know you mentioned and i'd hope most people would know it but Plat info for a lot of counties um, is available via GIS data. So a lot of times you don't need to know who owns the property. You just need to know 
what's public versus private or what's the private you have access to versus the private you don't. And, you know, you can get a lot of that data. Um, a lot of it's not complete. Like there are counties that are way behind. There are some that don't have it published to the internet, you know, poor counties, typically where there's good hunting, just kind of a double-edged sword there. Um, and it takes time for these things to update. So I had a survey done in April and we found a, a 30 foot contested boundary. We got it all resolved, right? But technically, if somebody was using old uh, data, they could be walking 30 feet onto my property and truly believe based on what's in their hand that they were on property they were allowed to hunt. You know, it's just one of those things, right? How old's the map in use? Uh, what's the quality of the data and um, is it accessible? So, um, well, and that's yeah. uh, honestly, that's a that's nothing's a bulletproof. Right. And that's a good point. And when one thing I guess I would throw out here as a, as a recommendation for everyone, don't always rely on what you're paying for to be a hundred percent accurate. Um, and I'll give you a prime example. Uh, one thing that I've committed I'm going to do more this year is I'm going to hunt national forest land more. Um, and national forest is, in some cases, it, it, it's a bit different than hunting a, a, a management area. Because a management area, they're going to have the borders, they're going to have the signs. I mean, yes, you can still mess up, but it's a lot harder. Where national forest, a lot of time there's little pockets of private land scattered all over the place. And, you know, you, you need to be pretty accurate. And I'm not saying you have to pre-plan all that, but if you're going to hunt a certain area, it is probably a pretty good idea to double check using another resource other than just your, your app. And I mean, we're talking about Onyx here. I mean, again, I'm not faulting the guys. It's hard to, I don't know that it would be feasible to stay a hundred percent up to date all the time, but it's just a good idea to double check that your, your, your app, your technology is accurate. Uh, anything else you last, would th throw out from a pro's perspective? Yeah. Last thought for uh, smartphones and pros, cheap. So uh, I have one device. It's a Android device. I bought it off from a recycle um, website. So we're talking about a $200 device. Like has a great battery. You can load the apps on it. You load on anything else. It's got a touch screen. Uh, plug it into your little battery pack. I don't think there's a cheaper way to get into the game than that. You talk about $5 apps and 999s, right? There's a lot of things you can get. There's a lot of stuff you can load on there. You have a camera built in if you need to snap a picture of something. If your you know normal phone is down, I just, it, it's so cheap. It'd be hard to only go in with only a compass with the way things are. And you know, like you said, everybody's got a smartphone these days, but um, I don't, I see cost being a definite pro to going that route, especially if you already own it. I agree a hundred percent. And I would, I would, one thing I meant to throw out earlier, I would say is regardless of which one you're using, or if you use both, keep a compass with you all the time and at least have a basic understanding of how to use it. Uh, and, and I'll stay on this real briefly. It doesn't matter where I'm going before I go to an area to hunt. 
I have a general understanding of basic handrails that I can use to get back to uh, the vicinity of my vehicle, or at least in an, into an area where I know I can find my vehicle. And when I say a handrail, I'm talking about a stream. I'm talking about uh, roads that show up on, on a map, whether that be a, uh, a two-track or uh, a highway or a dirt road. Um, and know in correlation to where you're planning to hunt what direction those are. So if you get turned around, you can always pull out your compass and say, if I walk due west, I'm going to hit this stream or I'm going to hit this river or I'm going to hit this road. And that road will take me, if I go north on that road, it'll take me back to where, you know, the general area of where I parked, that kind of thing. Um, you don't want to only rely on this technology because technology will break. Um, something will go wrong. I won't say it'll break. Something yeah. will go wrong. Your battery will go dead. You you stick it in your pack and forget that you, you left a, or you hit an app as you were putting it in your, your pack and now the phone stays on for three hours and your battery's dead. Any kind of thing like that can happen. So regardless, get a compass and learn how to use a compass. I did have a uh, corporate phone get a signal code for a mobile remote wipe while on a trip one time. So there was a, a security audit, a security issue, and uh, I got the push to my phone that wiped it and put it back to factory default. Nice. So perfect example, full yep. battery, knew where I was going, had signal, phone got wiped. Anything can happen. Anything can happen. So cons for a smartphone. Durability. Oh, I guess I just gave one. What's that? Yeah, I guess you did just give one. Well, I kind of think we both kind of did. Really a con yeah. for both of them, though, I would say. Um, but for a smartphone, durability. Uh, they are, and I don't care if you're, if you've got the latest and greatest shock-proof, drop-proof, idiot-proof case, they're not as durable as a GPS is going to be in 90% of the cases because they're not designed for that. GPSs are designed for, and when... I should say handheld style GPSs. They're designed for rugged use. Um, so durability is always going to be a con for the smartphone. Uh, expense to replace one. Now you just said, you know, you bought yours second hand or whatever. Yeah. But in my backup one. Yeah. Yeah. For, you know, a, a, a new iPhone, I don't know what they cost, but they're expensive. Um, so you're, you know, you've got a substantial expense. I would say buying a new cell phone of any, brand type OS, whatever is going to be comparable to the cost of a, a good GPS. Um, mm -hmm. the lack of interoperability, which I've talked about, uh, at least unless somebody tells me what I'm missing, I don't have the interoperability between, uh, different apps on my phone that I do with a GPS. Yes. It's a, you got to learn how to do it. And there's, there's definitely tricks and, and you, the stars have to align and all that stuff to be able to move this, you know, this stuff around. But I have not found an easy way to bring waypoints from, say, Caltapo into my phone. The one way I could potentially do that is using Caltapo and, say, Onyx on my computer and copying a GPS uh, waypoint or GPS um, location from one app to the other. Yes, I could do that, but that's not easy to do on my phone like it is with uh, my GPS. 
Uh, I would say it's also not as easy to store a route and bring that into my phone. Uh, and maybe, admittedly, maybe I just haven't spent the time with it that I have with my GPS, but I feel like I'm so uh, adept at doing it with my GPS, I really just don't want to learn how to do it with the phone, especially with some of the things that I've I've encountered when using my phone. Uh, battery life. Um, battery life on a cell phone is almost never going to be as good as a GPS. And even if it is, I can throw a spare battery in my pack. It weighs nothing. Um, and with my GPS, I could even throw in some spare AA batteries and get the same effect. If my, if my rechargeable battery dies, I can throw in my, my, a couple of double A's or I think it's maybe three or four double A's and I'm off running to the races, but I always keep, and I talk about paranoid, I always keep two spare fully charged batteries with me at all times with my GPS. I've got the one in the GPS and I will typically have one in my, uh, it's a little like EDC carry, uh, Maxpedition pack that goes with me everywhere. And I'll always have another one tucked away in some part of my, of my backpack. Uh, so I've always got spare batteries and I always make sure they, they stay charged, um, for my GPS. And yes, you can carry, uh, Emra said that he carries a, a battery pack with him and you could definitely do that again. By the time you've done that, that I probably weighs more than my GPS does. So from a, from a weight perspective, you're, you're just adding additional weight. And we've already talked about the, the less accurate. I guess that one's either arguable or dependent upon location and canopy cover and those kind of things. But again, in my experience, my phone has not been as accurate as my Garmin, uh, Montana. Um, to be fair, I will throw out there that that is also dependent on having a newer GPS and especially one that takes advantage of the GLONASS satellite system. So where you've got, you've actually got two different satellite networks that, you can access with a GPS that just gives you more uh, accurate positioning with, you know, say a Garmin, Montana, or Oregon, those kind of modern devices. The older GPS is probably not so much. I'm pretty sure my 12XL would not be as accurate as my phone uh, at this point, but we're neither here nor there. What other cons you, you got that you might have thought of, Tom? I think yeah, I think you did a good job on that. Um, just touching back on the batteries, right? I have two lithium ions for my Garmin. Uh, buy once, cry once on the spare. They weigh nothing. Uh, this thing's less than three double A's. And I did change over my like primary carry headlamp and uh, hand flashlight to double A's. So I carry eight Aniloop rechargeables um, in that format. And the Garmin I have takes, I'm looking at it right now, uh, three double A's. So I've got two lithium ions that'll both last a long time. And then two redos if needed after that without really any extra weight. So, um, yeah, I think, I think the battery situation on the, the, uh, smartphone's not going to be nearly as good as that. Well, and on my Garmin, and I don't know if you, you do this or not, but uh, every year right before hunting season starts, I actually go in and change my Garmin to where the screen timeout is like 30 seconds. Yep. Now, when I'm scouting, 
I, I turn that off. I want the screen on all the time when I'm scouting. Um, but it's a little bit different scenario when I'm scouting. I'm usually out for a day or half a day, and I'm I'm constantly looking at my GPS. When I'm hunting, I, I use it as I'm walking in. I use it when I'm walking out. And I typically don't turn it off during the day because it does take a while to orient. And I, you know, I don't want to fool with that when I'm climbing down out of a tree and getting ready to leave. So I just typically yep. leave it on in my pack. Uh, but that, that does help a lot. I still do not, I, I've never, I don't think I've ever used more than 25, maybe 30% of my battery in a day with it just sitting in my pack, uh, with the, the screen turned off. Okay. GPS pros, and a lot of these are just going to be the complete opposite of what we talked about with the smartphone, but we're going to walk through them anyway. The pros for, to me, for GPS is durability. We already talked about yep. that. You and I talked Huge. about this this the other night, and I pointed you to that uh, gizmo vest, which adds a whole other layer of, of protection to the Garmin. Uh, you put that on, you put a, a set of the, the Japanese, the flexible glass screen protector on it, and it's practically indestructible. I mean, the, the gizmo vest will make it float, gives it some shock protection, protects the back end, you know, the, the case of the GPS, and then the, the screen protector protects the screen. Like I said, I've been using mine since at least 2012, and I think I had it a few years before then. Um, and to look at mine out of the gizmo vest, it still looks new. I mean, and it's been used a lot. Um, so you can even make them more durable. But just out of the box, they're going to be more durable than a cell phone. Yeah, um, you should drop a link in the show notes for that because that thing is freaking cool. I think they all float. I think they're for like sailboat people. Uh, I got mine in Hunter Coffee and Blaze Orange or something. You, so you got I, the exact I find same it if I drop it. Yep. Oh, did I? Yep. Oops. You, that's okay. No, I mean, I've, I've been very happy with mine, but I got the same yeah. uh, brown and, and it's got the, uh, the paracord is Hunter orange. Orange paracord. Yeah. yeah. But I mean, that thing is, I mean, the, the, the unit itself, tough as can be, shock proof. I mean, great ceiling on all of the uh, uh, ports. Um, yeah. Rock solid. I, I will do my best to drop a link in the show notes for that. Um, more than just A to B navigation. I mean, you know, I know that you can do more with the cell phones than just A to B, but I would say that my hunch is the majority of people that are, that are really stuck on just using a cell phone. Really all they're using it for is A to B navigation. Get out of my car. I, I set a waypoint I want to go to. And while I may not go in a straight line of sight, that's really all I'm using it for is to get from point A to point B. And I definitely use mine for a lot more than just that. Um, we mentioned interoperability. And when I say interoperability, I'm talking about importing maps, map objects, waypoints, tracks, routes, um, image overlays, um, boundary lines. I mean, there's just so much information. And in fact, there's, there's a lot of this stuff that's already out there that you can actually go and download from, from certain websites. So, it, you know, I, I've used Onyx. I think I was probably one of the first people to buy an Onyx chip. I mean, I've been using them for a long time. I, the Georgia map that I've got is probably, I'd have to go back and look and see if I can figure out how long I've owned it. But I know I've owned it since 2013. Um, 
I mean, I've owned it a long time and been pretty sure it was 2013. Anyway, I've had it a long time. I have maps for uh, our, our SD cards for Michigan, Wyoming, and Georgia. I don't think I have another one. Um, and then I've got the, my phone does the entire nation. But um, Waypoint Management, I think, is a big plus for the Garmin. Um, I can, and in fact, I'm going to do more of that this year, but a lot of times I will offload GPS waypoints off of my Garmin so that I don't have to search through a sea of waypoints. If I know I'm going to be hunting a certain WMA, I will sit down, you know, the week, the night before, whatever, and I may pull in all those waypoints and remove everything else. Um, don't always do it, but especially if I've, if I've been spending a lot of time scouting and I've got a lot of waypoints saved, it really does help to be able to just pull them all off and save or load what I want to on the GPS instead of having, you know, a thousand waypoints. Um, the replaceable batteries we talked about, just the battery life overall, um, the level of detail that you can get with good maps, arguably you can get some of that with the cell phone. Maybe even at this point you can do just as well. Uh, but I like the ability to be able to manage my maps um, one by one if I want to on the on the Garmin or on the GPS. And accuracy, we've, we've kind of beat to death. Um, again, I think that one may be arguable or maybe the your mileage may vary. But I'm just telling, I know from my experience, the areas I hunt, I can definitely tell the difference in the accuracy. Any yeah. any any pros that I missed you can think of? So I think the one big one is <clears throat> assuming number one, right? The pro for the the smartphone was you already own a smartphone. So the pro for adding a GPS is you have automatic redundancy. That's a very good point. I hadn't thought about that. If you have both and you're you're carrying both with you, if one of them for whatever reason fails you, you've got to back up. That's a good point. I hadn't thought about that. I think that's the only thing I'm, I heard that I, I think you missed. And then for, for cons on the GPS, the big one is going to be the extra expense. If you already own a smartphone and you already have something that will work, can you justify the extra expense? Personally, I think you can at the same time. I will, I will shoot myself in the foot and say I've been saying I was going to buy a secondary handheld GPS for probably eight, nine years now. Uh, I keep mm-hmm. saying I'm going to buy an Oregon. Um, and if you're asking why an Oregon, as much mileage as I put on some days when I'm out scouting, I would like to have a smaller unit. The flip side of that is I'll have to carry my, my readers so I can see the screen as well as I could see the Montana, but having a, a smaller uh, GPS unit that I can stick in my shirt pocket or whatever, that that would be nice while I'm scouting. So, you know, I get the expense. It is an, it is an extra expense if you already have a cell phone, but I think if you can teach yourself a lot of the ways that you can use a GPS that you can't use a cell phone, having the redundancy, the backup, I think you can you can justify the expense if you want to. A lot of people may just want to spend it on other gear. A lot of people will prefer to spend it on scent control. <clears throat> uh, sorry. <laughs> hey, it's just one thought for you. Yeah. 
Why would you buy an Oregon if you have a Montana and spare batteries for the Montana and chips for the Montana? Like, why would you get a separate model that doesn't have hot swappable batteries? Oregon's uh, not hot swappable, is it? I uh, I would have to go back and look. I think I think it it used to. Now I don't know about the newer models. It used to use the exact same battery as the as the Oregon. Or you could okay. do uh, double A's. I'm all, I'm pretty sure about that. Um, okay. The reason why I keep saying I'm gonna do it is I rely so much on my GPS. If my if my Montana broke tomorrow, I would freak out. Um, as far as not having another GPS. Uh, Garmin has always been very good to me. I've had a couple of different units that I have had issues with. The 12XL that I had, um, I did not know that there was an internal battery in that unit that had to be charged by the double A's that were in it. And one winter I took the batteries out after hunting season because I didn't plan on using it. I wasn't using it like I do now, like I do my Montana for scouting. And when I went, powered it back up later that summer, the internal battery had died and it had a battery error that would never go away. I, contacted their support they said yep can't fix it uh you can't <laughs> fix it you'll have to send it in we'll have to we'll have to fix it but you know here's your rma number and i dropped it in the mail and like two days later a new unit showed up they didn't even they didn't even wait for it to arrive they just sent me a new one um <laughs> i've got a fortrex that i had as a backup for montana um little small unit just exceptional battery life, very basic screen, but uh, it was one that I actually turned on every day when we went out, stayed in the pack, and if something had happened to my Montana, I had a backup. Um, so I didn't, again, I didn't necessarily rely on the, the phone. We couldn't charge our phones for a week, so uh, I pretty yeah. much kept my phone in airplane mode and, and turned off all the time because it was really just for emergencies if we had to have it. Um and the the first Fortrex that I had, uh, actually, it had a battery uh, that that leaked inside the unit, corroded everything up, and I contacted them, and they swapped it out for a newer model, and I think I paid like forty bucks or something. So, from a customer support perspective, I've had I've got nothing but good things to say about Garmin, but I would like to have another unit just in case my Montana had a problem. And like I said before, from a from a weight perspective, from a size perspective, um, doing you know eight, I've done as much as eight or nine miles in the North Georgia mountains in a day before um, scouting. So having a little bit smaller um, GPS unit than my Montana in those situations would be a nice to have. So I would have to say it's probably more of a want than it is a need, which is why I haven't done it yet. Gotcha. Uh, let me see. I forget where I said. I think I said additional weight and bulk. Um, you're already carrying your smartphone, smartphone. So if you add another device, it is additional weight and bulk that you're carrying around. And the other, the other con, and you kind of started this conversation off with it, is the learning curve. It's not, it's not as intuitive as opening up your phone and clicking on an app. Um. There are a lot of capabilities and, and 
software features, whatever you want to call them in a, in a typical, um, GPS that you will never use. You know, there's stuff for geocaching. There's, there's things in mind that's, you know, basically games that you can, I'm not going to mess with any of that stuff. It's got, um, I think mine has, or maybe I'm remembering this from yours. One of ours, both of ours have, um, something to the effect of game activity. I never look at that crap. I do look at the sunrise sunset, but it's not something, honestly, most of the time I'm going to pull up my phone for something like that. So, you know, and I think you and I talked about this when you were, you were, we were talking about this a couple of weeks ago. The only way you're going to get efficient at using the GPS and maximizing its capability is to do it. And when I say do it, you've got to get out there and you've got to use it in the field. I would not recommend you do this, you know, the day before hunting season opens, but scouting is a great time to get very familiar with using, you know, that device and understanding how to navigate through the menus and, and all of that good stuff. I would say on mine, honestly, the biggest things that I use the most are, uh, setting a waypoint, setting the, you know, the icon that I want, the naming convention that I want, um, selecting a, a waypoint to navigate to, uh, managing my tracks in the GPS, because sometimes I will actually save a track if I'm going into a location I've never been before. I may save that track just so I can pull it up and look at it on my computer where I can really see uh, the detail on a topo map. Um, being able to pull up a, a, a previous track or route that you've saved or maybe you've, you've created and stored on your GPS to navigate by, those kind of things. I'm trying to think there's not a lot else that I would that I can think of off the top of my head. I know there's some others. The compass, I do pull that up from time to time and use it. Uh but it doesn't it's not a huge learning curve, but it is a learning curve. And then when you get into the interoperability piece and being able to take those waypoints, pull them off the GPS, pull them into other software, look at the big picture, get in and look at the detail. Um a lot of times I'm using it to figure out, so I hunted this location and all day long I sat and watched animals moving 50 yards from me, 60 yards from me. A lot of times I want to know why that is. So I will pull that into my, my computer where I can really look at it and I might see, I might see a terrain feature that I missed or I might pull up Google Earth and I might see a funnel that was created by some logging activity that I, that I hadn't noticed or you know, any number of things. There's a lot of different situations you can, you can bring into that, but I do use it for a lot of that. Um, even when I'm out doing boots on the ground, I may see something that to my eye or maybe even looking at the, you know, the four inch screen, I think it's a four inch screen. I can't see the detail that lets me understand why a certain area may be funneling animals. But when I get back and look at it, you know, online, maybe I can see it better. Sometimes it's vice versa. It may look one way online. I follow my GPS and get to the spot and it, you know, what I'm seeing on the computer doesn't necessarily match up to what I'm seeing with boots on the ground. So it works both ways there. But the ability to do that back and forth for me is a is a big deal. And I just don't have that capability uh, or the 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 level of the level of interoperability, I guess, that I get just by using my smartphone, even if I'm pulling up the Onyx map or CalTopo on my computer. Feel like I beat that one to death, but that's just the biggest. That's probably the biggest part for me, 
is the time I've invested to learn how to use the GPS and all these other tools with it. Yeah. I mean, I think I would have said it a little differently, but same basic point. I, I would have said, you know, it's a clunky user experience. Um, it doesn't work like other devices like we're used to. It doesn't feel the same. It, you know, the menus aren't laid out the same way. I mean, you know, to its credit, this predates, you know, modern mobile uh, application layout practices. But we've all kind of gotten used to things working a certain way. So, you know, that's my struggle is just kind of uh, embracing and learning this thing the way it is. Um, other than that, I mean, there's, yeah, the user experience and the cost, that's it. I mean, everything else about it is pretty darn great these days. Well, unfortunately, the one thing I would respond to what you just said is not going to be applicable to 99% of the people that's going to, be, going to be listening to this. And that is, for me, it doesn't feel clunky. But it's because I've been using it for so long. I mean, I'll be honest, when I first bought this GPS, it was probably more advanced from a touchscreen perspective and navigation than my phone was at the time. But yep. that's changed, right? Yeah, and, and compared to a BlackBerry 8831 that was out at the same time. Or a, I think I was... Nobody on, would put up with that today. Right, and I think I was on a Nokia. I mean, it, it, me it, was, it wasn't even the, it wasn't even a BlackBerry experience for me at the time. So yeah. Symbian S60. Right. I mean, it's, yeah. yes, the cell phones have made leaps and bounds and the amount of money that's been thrown into the development of a smartphone has not been thrown into the development of a GPS interface. And I think that's just, you know, basic economics, <laughs> but, uh but for me, because I've used it for so long, it doesn't it doesn't feel clunky to me at all. I mean, I don't I don't even think about it that way. But again, for the most of the, the majority of the people that's listening to this, that's not going to be the case. And I get that. I, I really do. Um So I think for me, I mean, I think we've pretty much covered everything that I wanted to cover here. The only things that I would wrap up with here is your mileage may vary. Um, I'm not saying that anything that we've said here is going to be a hundred percent applicable to everybody. I've looked at it from, you know, from my experiences and my, uh, my investment over the years, you know, a lot of, and, and here's the thing, you know, not, not calling anybody out, but I've been doing this since, again, since I know before 2012, and, you know, the smartphones and the apps on the smartphones has opened up these doors to a lot of people in the last three to four years. Um, you know, the whole running gun movement, you know, running gun whitetails, that Facebook group. I mean, that a lot of that Dan Infault is another huge impact that has brought people into this looking at topo features. And the majority of them that's been introduced to it in the last three to four years. It's their smartphone. It's what they had in their hand. So I guess in, in some ways, you know, I'm the, uh, once again, I'm the, I'm the old school guy. 
Um, and I probably would have a hard time ever convincing a lot of those people that the GPS is better in any way because that's mainly because that's what they've learned on and that's what they're used to is what I'm trying to say. Could be, right? I, I, I don't know how many people have an appetite to carry a, a second device and learn a second device. Uh, probably matters a lot. What you're hunting, how you're hunting. Um, you know, looking at this, I I know I need a second tool. And this is 2022 is, you know, I'm not a big New Year res resolution sort of guy, but this is my year to uh, really work on a couple of things and using my GPS effectively and kind of getting that piece of kit straight um, before I go places where there's no cell phone signal. Uh, this is this is a very high priority for me. So I think it's a absolutely a tool that has a place. Well, anywhere I can help you along the way, man, let me know. I'll be happy to, to do what Just I can. Just talk to Jerry into doing that video series. Well, and you know, there, and so just a reminder uh, for, for you, and I guess anybody listening, I mean, I guess it's been a couple of years ago, I actually did quite a few um, videos on the Traditional Outdoors YouTube channel about yep. uh, some of the things we're talking about here as far as interoperability between like Cal Topo and Basecamp and, and uh, Google Earth and all that stuff. So if this is something you're interested in, those are still out there. And maybe, you know, maybe I'll pick that back up. Maybe I'll talk to Jerry and we'll we'll do something together there. Because I'm, I'm curious to see if he's got any thoughts on the what else you can do with it that I haven't mentioned here. Because he saw, he's also has the the experience of the the tracking dog. So a lot of times he's, you know, I know he uses his Montana a lot for when he's out with, with bear doing tracks on animals he's running his gps and he's saving that that track and that route i'm anxious to hear what else he he may have in mind there um and you know one other thing i'll throw out real quick we was talking about the you know don't know if you can sell anybody on this there's the whole crowd these days that as soon as you tell them they're going to be carrying an extra four ounces or i don't even know what a what a bomb <laughs> in montana weighs they're gonna they're gonna freak out because they're you know they're they're replacing uh strapping a metal buckle with a piece of rope just to save that ounce and a half. And, hey, I'm one of them. I, I'm running a set of sticks that I did the rope mod on to save that extra weight. And the noise, really, more for me. But, you know, there is a there's a crowd out there that will freak out as soon as you tell them they're going to have to carry an extra six ounces. So um, there's always a different perspective. Maybe that's the way to wrap this up. There's always a different perspective. All I can give you is is my perspective and – coaxed tom into giving you his so uh, but anyway apparently we got, he did we got we got more critters to go and watch on the on the uh live cam in in the desert in africa and i'm sure you've got other things to do and i actually do as well so we're going to wrap this one up here tom i really appreciate you you hopping on here and we'll have to revisit this subject in a in a year and maybe not a whole episode but at least get you on here and say so what do you think now <laughs> mm -hmm. I'd be happy to. Yeah. All right, buddy. Well, you have a great rest of your evening for everyone that's listening. Thank you so much for, for joining us and listening in. We would love to hear your thoughts. So feel free to drop in on the Facebook group or on the Facebook page for the podcast after this episode drops and let us know what you think. And we will have another episode for you real soon. Take care all. Bye.